Welcome back to Say What Needs Saying. I'm Zach. And I'm Brandon. And today we have another Say What Needs Saying spotlight episode with another one of our listeners. We're bringing on Himanish to speak about spirituality and how it can help your life. Himanish, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, sure thing. See, it's a pleasure being on the podcast. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and why you wanted to come on the podcast to talk about this, and then let's just jump in. Yeah, so one of the reasons I wanted to come on is because I feel like just the title of it, where saying the things that need to happen, trying to give your expertise on it, will help to give people a message to echo on. And I thought that it's just, it's a very broad topic because there's so many things that come up. There's so many things that we want to say and like, it, we just don't have the right medium, the right uh, spot to get it through. And mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest, um, our big, biggest challenge that have been in the pandemic and in the past is are trying to stay in the present and not looking in the future or the past. Like, especially with students, it happens like continuously, you know, whether it's, we try to look for the next big thing. You know, we go from high school to university and we just keep looking forward and, and we go like, it'll get better, but it just doesn't. You know, we don't try to look at the moments that are in the present and we keep looking at, you know, it's eventually going to get better when it might or, or it just doesn't because no one has the perfect life because if everyone did, we would not be unique in that way. So I think folks that tend to worry too much about the past and the future, I try to help them figure out what they should look at that would help them stay in the current state. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So how, how present do you think people are on a scale from one to 10 in their day-to-day lives? So from what you're seeing from other students and staff, what's the landscape we're looking at? So, I mean, it, it, it one, it depends on the, the culture you've been brought up in your house or like the heritage, you know, how you've been brought up, where you've been brought up. And there's a lot of things, you know, previous experience, um, you know, where, in terms of if you had difficulties from the start of your childhood, if you didn't, or you just came in high school, you know, because people change, like you see someone in middle school and you're like, man, I mean, he's, you know, he's so hard to deal with. And all of a sudden in high school, there's a new shadow of him. And it's like, what? I never expected him to see in that uh, spotlight. So I, I think from like a, it's really hard to tell from a scale because like people vary from person to person, they change. But mm-hmm. if I would have to say like how many try to stay in the present, like a broad overview, like this is, I mean, I mean, this would be applicable to everyone, but it's not, it's not like a hundred percent accurate pretty much. But I would have to say somewhere between like on a scale to one to 10, at least like a, at least like a four. I didn't want to, it's some, because let's say between summer four to five because some people do do the part in making themselves uh, stay present some don't Mm -hmm. and you know they feel because it's a really hard task you know it says anything when you are trying to implement a new um hobby into your system you know whether you're trying to you, you because folks like, you know, there are folks that want to work out and then like, they'll say, yeah, we're going to work out and they don't take the action. So like, it just keeps getting delayed. And there are folks who they'll see it and they'll see someone get the results and they'll do it. You know, they like need a motivation factor. Some just get right onto it because they have the motivation on themselves. So it, it really depends on who wants to take the action. And based on that, it, it, um, it gets implemented. 
Yeah, no, that's definitely true. You know, you do see some people that are mindful that are a little more spiritual or that are, you know, better at following through with these kinds of decisions and, and choices. And then yeah, obviously some people are just awful at it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you said you're, or I guess I'm assuming you're in school. Um, how, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you or what grade are you in now um, so, to where you're seeing this? Yeah, so I am uh, 20 years old and I'm a student at VCU graduating in August this year. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> but from my personal background, you know, I've seen a lot. For me, my life's kind of been like a stock market graph where sometimes it's going up, sometimes it's going down. So, like, I've seen those trajectories, like, throughout my school years. Like, it, it's not been through, it's not, you know, it's not been that in high university that's all the difficulties, but I've seen it all the time. You know, some folks, they don't see it throughout the school years. Some, they only see it in high school. It's like it varies for everyone. But from the day I was born to like where I am now, I've always had to do 10 times the effort versus someone else has had to. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, what it's made me learn is to be aware of my surroundings and kind of look at like, okay, what what's happening? You know, keeping an eye. And um, I've always tried what the one thing I liked about myself is I've always, you know, when I become an expert at something, when I do something, sometimes, you know, like I'll maintain it and like try to break it into increments, but then I'd pick on a new thing to like kind of understand that. So that way I'm developing my skill set, um, developing my knowledge base pretty much. So, yep. No, I mean, that makes sense. So before we get to the steps to become more present, to become even, uh, to catch ourselves, to be tapped into ourselves more spiritually, what would you say would be a person's like beginning signs to kind of know that they're not really being present or they're not uh, kind of, like their, their world around them is overtaking them? How do you know when it's too late or how do you know when it's time to, uh, to, to reflect again? The, the time that you know it's a good time to reflect is a lot of the times we want the positive moment, which is great. You know, everyone wants to forget that positive feeling. They want to experience that. But I, the one thing I've noticed is when we have, you know, the down days, the days that don't go well, I feel like those are the one, those are the days you should really reflect and not go away from. Like what I, I've found my outsources to when I'm not, in a good mood or when something doesn't go right, you know, when I, there's a huge major change and just um, difficulty, kind of like a difficulty in life. Mm -hmm. I try to use one of those outsources to put it in implementation. And some of them are meditation. Some of them is just listening to the, um, listening to a specific type of music. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helps make you reflect as to what did you do wrong? Or if you did do wrong, you know, what to not do next time. And that way you don't make, and a lot of the time you, you just don't make that mistake uh, again, you know, when you face that situation. I tend to look at like this. When there, I tend to look more to the difficulties because that will help me grow so that when I do look at the positive night, I'll appreciate that more. Kind of being grateful and thankful. Like I, obviously I don't want to have extreme difficulties, but yeah, and that makes sense. So you you mentioned a couple already, um, but let's jump into some of these methods that you're talking about. You know, to see the, these these methods to kind of recenter yourself and become more mindful and and 
become more grateful or appreciative of the positives and stuff. You mentioned meditation, you mentioned music. Um, so what are the, some of the approaches that you use to be more mindful in your life? And, you know, what would you suggest, you know, people, people use as far as some of these approaches? Yeah. For being mindful, I think one of the, one of the key aspects is you won't have to kind of believe in it. You know, if you, if you feel like the effects of what people, people who've done it or have said, you know, it really does change your life or it gives a different outlook mm -hmm. and you feel like that's not possible. I, I wouldn't even suggest possibly trying it because in order to do anything, you know, whether you're cooking food or you're even taking someone from point A to point B on like a road trip, you have to believe that the engine's not going to fail. You have to believe that the food's not going to, um, it's not going to um, become a disaster, you know, like a disaster meal. You kind of have to believe that it's going to go well because one thing I've noticed is the our words are very powerful for when we, whenever we speak something, it hits us 10 times back and the universe of our, our chakra and our universe and comes back at a specific point of time. Like that, you don't decide. It's the universe that decides that, okay, that, He's using positive. He's using positive words to take his actions, and it just comes back as like a um, as a light of moment. So I feel like that's the first key step, which is you have to believe in it. And mm -hmm. the last, the other two things were being fo being focused and motivated to kind of be consistent towards it, towards it is a very important key because a lot of the times there are going to be things happening in the house, outside of the house. Like there's always going to be something you won't get a free, you, you, even if you do get a free day, you will have work around you and you have to find that 10, 15, however many minutes. Like I even tell folks that if you even have, you, you've got to have five minutes, at least less than 30 minutes in your day to put in just an effort off the meditation aspect or the yoga aspect or the spirituality aspect, because I, I'm pretty sure people, folks have five, if they can spend 20 minutes on social media, I'm pretty sure they can spend 10 minutes on the, a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are my three key tips for folks that just want the, um, they want do they want to get the feeling or be in the presence of mind towards this because it's kind of like committing pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned social media, that's almost the exact opposite, right? When you're yeah. like mindless, <laughs> just mindlessly scrolling through yeah. Facebook yeah. or YouTube videos and comments, right? Not really paying attention exactly. to anything. And so, yeah, you know, if you're spending all of your time mindlessly doing these hundred other tasks, it would seem simple enough, at least in theory, to take a little bit of that time and be a little more mindful with it. Um, what about you, Brandon? Do you spend, you know, what do you, what's your spiritual or mindful life look like? Do you do any of this stuff in your free time at any point or what do you well, think? Well, I don't Okay. So my break or at least my mindfulness kind of comes in the form of when I go to social media. So I'm out okay. here in Ohio by myself, and well, every once in a while, my, my girlfriend comes down to, uh, to stay with me, but this, this is just me. So when I go to work, work is such a, a place that demands so much mental strength mm -hmm. and focus uh, that when I leave, I kind of want to, I want to indulge in the mindlessness of the world 
And I'm like, all right. Sometimes I can't do it. I'm like, oh, this this doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme. But it it's a break. And one thing that I know that I learned that helped me just with my mindfulness and uh, just creating a better sense of self is that I have to leave work at work. Mm-hmm. And if I don't leave work at work, I bring home work with me and it just eats me up in the house. And that's not a good idea in my world, because if I come home, my home is a place of peace. Bringing that stress home starts to blur the lines of where I can go to find refuge. And if I don't have that, it's worse on my end. So one thing besides, you know, enjoying YouTube or finding whatever podcast I like listening to, like say what he's saying, um, <laughs> I definitely enjoy fasting um, like for like long periods, not just like intermittent fasting because it has its health benefits, but um, I don't do it consistently enough to get the health benefits, but the mindfulness aspect is crazy. Like, <laughs> I'll find myself so I like fat like I, there's a there's like there's a bit of principle behind it in that um like in, make sure you get your salts and stuff like that but I'll go I'll you know I'll fast my most recent one was like I think five days or five or six days and it's such a peaceful thing to me because if you're because for me hunger is such one of the few primal aspects of of our being right there's hunger there's anger. Uh, even, you know, happiness, just those basal human reactions, almost fear. If I'm able to kind of quote unquote challenge or overcome or step by something as trivial as ghrelin, you know, allowing us to feel hunger, it brings a new appreciation to the, even the littlest of things, or my body's even now attuned to more, to being more receptive to things I would appreciate or like, like peace, relaxing, becomes even more relaxing when stimulants like digestion isn't going on or like your body isn't feeding off of the food which may have like say for instance you don't eat the best food your stomach is kind of messed up and you kind of your date because you, you know your gut biome allows for so much reactions so many interactions from our gut biome a lot of people don't uh haven't attributed yet but we've learned that our gut biome has responsible to uh, responsibilities in affecting our emotion and mood and all this other stuff. So not having something directly in you to move that or sway that on the daily, it's really, it's almost freeing. I know I was rambling and no one, and no one expected this, but um, it, it just, I don't know. That those are some really good points that Brandon and Zach mentioned, but um, you like social media, like fasting, you know, it has been hard in the pandemic for folks when it first started to figure out, you know, where do I put my professional and personal life? You know, it mm-hmm. felt like everyone was just focusing on the professional side and wasn't able to give the personal side of themselves. And, and you know, both sides are important to have mm-hmm. the professional and the personal. But you, when you have the balance, it's like I like to say things as if you're if the seesaw is at both is at, at mid level, you're doing a good job. The moment it goes from one side, there's something wrong because you don't want too much of the and same things that goes, you know, with social media and non-social media. You don't want to have too much of one and you don't have too much of the other because it's it's a balance. Like I tell folks, I don't I'm not someone who'd promote don't go on social media. You know, it is necessary in today's generation because it, it's the way of communicating with folks, getting in interaction, collaborating, because, you know, me, myself, I also use it from time to time. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, you just need to have the maintenance of how do you limit yourself and just be in the mindset that, okay, I'm only going to use this for 
X amount of hours or, or X amount of minutes, not hours, and uh, kind of go with that approach. So, yeah. Yeah, and I really like your your seesaw analogy. I was going to elaborate a little bit on it. I feel like, you know, not only do you want it to be balanced between whether it's personal and professional life or really anything, right? The balance is kind of good with with everything. Yep. But ultimately, you will have times where you shift one way or the other. But, yep. <laughs> you know, for those if you've if you've ever ridden if you've never ridden a seesaw before, when you're on one of them and you hit the ground, if you push up too fast, all of a sudden the other side is slamming down immediately. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think mindfulness comes in to play there to where it's important not only to realize that your balance is off a little bit, but to re- recognize how strongly to push back to bring it back into balance. Otherwise you wind up just shifting way too far to the other direction. And so maybe you've been in professional world for way too long. And so Mm -hmm. you just feel burned out as all hell and you decide I'm going to push back. Well, suddenly now you're hit with a massive amount of burnout and you push way back and now you don't get anything done. Now you're being completely unproductive and now you have no professional presence and you're, you're just kind of sinking into the other side of the seesaw. Um, and then Brandon, I wanted to touch on one thing that you brought up. I really like that you kind of touched on the, in a roundabout way, the science of all of this, the science of mindfulness. And it's, you know, it's important to bring up because I know that a lot of people, look, I'm one of these people. I'm, I'm skeptical of things if I don't understand it that well. And Mm -hmm. the thing about spirituality, the thing about mindfulness and all of these things is that. A lot of it comes from a, I mean, by definition, a very spiritual place. And it's harder to look at that with a more critical scientific lens. But, you know, there, there is a real, there's real science behind a lot of this. You know, one of the practices, one of the practices I use is we had actually, we had used it during, um, I worked with the Cleveland Clinic for a summer treatment program for kids with ADHD. And so we, we taught them mindfulness practices to kind of help them re, you know, regain composure and, and, and get themselves going when they need to. And one of the things we taught is to go through various different, lay down, completely relax, and then go through various muscle groups and just flex or squeeze as hard as you can and mm-hmm. hold it and then release. And when you release, now there's this rebound to where not only does it relax back to the point of of not being flexed, but it releases and, and relaxes further than that, leaving it more relaxed than it was in the first place. Right. And so and that's all science. That's all that's all scientifically backed, right? That's something that can actually work. And not to say that every single elements of spirituality will have a scientific premise or, or something like that. But, you know, for those listening that are skeptical, like I am, I, it is important to do these things and there is science behind it. You know, I would definitely encourage people to look into the research behind a lot of mm-hmm. this and to, you know, do your own fact finding and do your own soul searching on the same, at the same time. It, I think I, I'm almost wanting to, uh, and I completely agree with going back and or even, going online trying to find ways to de-stress you, you never know what you're going to find i don't think uh if you exist in this world and try to assume that you already know what's going on or you already know the best tactic mm-hmm. uh, you're missing out you're missing out on a lot because uh, the information is out there and you know it's not always it's not it's not always going to hit you on social media or, or from your parents or from your friends i think you should go out there and make that uh take that step but i think we should 
almost dive into, if possible, this idea of the seesaw because for those, once again, who has ridden the seesaw, uh, it is a fun time with another person. And what you're doing is you're, you're trying to find, what you do typically is you'll find someone that is around your weight and height, and then you would go and have fun back and forth. You guys will understand how much pressure the first time you push off, and then you go back and forth until, you know, you guys want to go to the slide or some shit. Ideally, now when you look at it from a personal level, who are you, who is your back and forth? What exactly, who or who exactly is on that other side of you? What exactly do you find yourself at? Or, you know, where do you find yourself where you need that other person on the other side of the seesaw to push you up or pull you back down? You know, whether it be your id versus your ego, whether it be uh, your cosplay you versus like, whatever it's got to be. What is your balance? What is your who is your teeter totter? You know what I mean? Who's the other yeah. person sitting on the other side? And it may not be easy. You know, maybe the wrong person's on the other side or. The person that should be going on either side of the seesaw is just on your side. You need to find your own uh, almost antagonist to either your perspective or your antagonist to your situation. You have to be your own and best friend. So when you come into situations where you're too stressed, you have to rely or you know where to go inside yourself to balance out yourself naturally, just like a seesaw. For a second, I thought he asked me a packed question, but then I realized he was finishing his sentence, but okay. <laughs> um, so I'm going to stay on the seesaw topic, but I'm going to try to put a little of a twist to mm-hmm. it where, as we say, you know, the seesaw should be mid-level and balanced. The other thing um, which I've noticed a lot happen is we tend to worry too much really too much about what we should have done or what we sh- or what we want to happen mm, yeah. such as and this happens a lot like a lot with uh, college and uh, high school students like high school students when they go from ninth to tenth grade they you know whatever activities they've done that in their school or outside of that they go like you know I wish I had been a little bit more, you know, um, I had become a better in a better trumpet player, or I had become a better um, a better soccer player, whatever this fact being. And they don't look at what they can do now, and they go like, you know, I hope I can do that. And so this the the idea is you're doing you're believing in the meditation and the yoga, which is great. But if you're not using the right words and you're not saying that I I can, or, you know, it's hard to use the right uh, language because it's kind of like a tongue twister. Then whatever the universe sees, it's going to put that in the implementation. So you will never see yourself doing that. And so that's something which I've noticed a lot. And especially like uh, one of the big, I mean, for high school students, it's mostly from high school to uh, the university stages. But when it goes to university and the workforce, it becomes extremely complicated because especially in the COVID, it's been really hard to find the next big step because everyone wants that experience coming out of college. Or And the one thing I've noticed is the graduate program has gone up in scale a tremendous amount and folks are feeling um, the little, you know, small that they're not getting that work experience, but 
what I have to say to that is you don't know what's going to happen. And I would not feel delittled because you're just expanding your knowledge based on that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the present is something that the third eye can only control. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to find that because not everyone reaches that momentum. So the one thing I try to say is at least if you can reach a point that you feel like you're in space floating by yourself, like in the Apple commercials, you've only reached, you've only reached Nirvana at that point. So that is something that I've noticed like um, a lot, like there, when it go, when it comes to going from the bachelor's degree to like the work experience, it's like just that, like they're folks who don't think about it and they'll get the role immediately. And they're folks that tend to literally have a stress outlet where it just, they're constantly thinking about it. And at one point it explodes their brain. Some don't even want to do it. And some just go like, it's never going to happen. And so you're now using the negative connotation, which is going back. And I feel like you have to have filters in place because when you have filters, it helps show a better graph. And that's, and anything we do, whenever we're shopping or whatever we're doing, when we see a whole catalog, we tend to get really confused as humans. Unless there's a filter, we tend to be like, okay, this, these are the options that look better and we'll take those because they've kind of gone, well, I don't wanna say, I don't wanna say gone through the process, but when the, you filter out the options, you feel like you found a better result, pretty much. It's really insightful. And in a minute, I want to press you a little more on, on this concept of focusing more on the present, less on the past and the future. Um, but first, if, if you're currently and presently listening to this episode, take a minute now and reflect on what you've heard so far. And if you like what you've heard, please do follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Say What Needs Saying. Twitter is Say What Needs. Uh, follow our YouTube channel, and we've got a website now, saywhatneedsaying.com. So we really appreciate you guys listening to the episode. We're going to get right back into it, but let us know what you want to hear in the future, and we'll jump back into this conversation now with him and Ish. So yeah, the, the, the present is oftentimes not in people's focus, and I think that the past is, like you said, there's regret, and with the future, there's either hopes or I guess, I mean, for some people it almost feels, and myself included, sometimes it almost just feels like preemptive regret as opposed to hope. Like you're not necessarily (laughs) hoping that something goes right, but you're worrying about what could go wrong or what, you know, won't go right. And I, I think that it's the, the one component of mindfulness that I've found that helps with this and not the one, but one of the large components of it that I found helps with this is starting small, starting small with very simple things that you don't really think of, that you're immediately throwing yourself into the future or into the past when you have the present right in front of you. The one that comes to mind immediately is driving. And mm. so I don't know, Brandon or Himanish, how you guys feel about this, whether you're driving or you know taking the bus or, or what have you, where you'll be on your way to work and then suddenly you're already there or you're on the way to the store or to somewhere else and you start paying attention halfway through and you have that oh shit moment of wait am i lost because you really don't recognize what's around you because you're just in autopilot every time you go to this place and (laughs) i think that's you know the one one area where 
it's easier to start with. It's easier to start with, you know, pay attention to the present on your car ride. And how do you feel during the car ride? How do you feel, you know, at that moment instead of, oh, well, shit, I got to do these 10 things when I get to work or I'm late because these three things happened, you know, an hour ago and now I'm hung up on those things and focusing on that you know, just sitting in the car and realizing this is how I feel in the present moment. This is how, this is where I am. This is what is currently around me and where I'm on my way to. And, you know, focusing on these little things. I don't know if either of you have any other, I guess, thoughts or examples of things that, you know, people kind of start with when, when trying to be more mindful, just little things like that. But that's one that stands out for me for sure. Well, that was fantastic for you to bring up and that you spoke on it. So, uh, I guess naturally, I would almost say, shoot, tell us more about how you directly feel. I would say that the most mindful thing you could do is almost create, keep a journal. And I'm sure everyone mm-hmm. has heard that idea. But so many times people's like, oh, what did I do this week? Or can you tell me what you did last week? And you're like, oh, I just went through the motions. <laughs> I, that's not, that's not ideal, especially in this day and age. So we just experienced, you know, the, once in a lifetime pandemic, mm-hmm. we can't really <laughs> sacrifice or we can't really, you know, give an excuse to why we don't know what happened last week. You know, maybe writing down how you felt each day. Actually, we on our on a previous episode of Say What He's Saying, we had our friend Washington on and he was describing of that he actually writes. He keeps a Excel sheet, just how he feels and he tabulates his day mm-hmm. and he can look back and say, how do he feel? You know, he can learn, he can develop and progress himself naturally because there's a record. If there's no record, there's no way you can go forward. You know, if no one's keeping track, you'll run the same mile till your feet hurt. But right. if you if you know that you ran a mile in this time, you ran a mile in the, in the, in the faster time, You there's progress possible. You know what I mean? So keeping a journal ideally would be uh, a, a step one, I would say. So one thing, that was a good uh, point that Brandon mentioned, which was keeping a journal, uh, you know, whatever helps you remember because – one, you know, I felt what I feel like is let's go two months before this whole pandemic started, like January 2020. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone was kind of living the, was kind of doing that thing, going to the work, how the daily schedule was. Everyone was like on a routine pretty much. Once March hit, it mm-hmm. was like, it took some time till people started to understand that this is actually a good time to get to know our family because usually you're running out of the door to get to your work at like eight or um, at like seven in the morning or eight in the morning. And so you're off on the road or like the kids are on the bus or the, um, the students are in the class listening to the professor. So, you know, mm-hmm. everyone was in their moment and it was like on a daily schedule, but this kind of helped folks pause and reflect. And that's why uh, applications like Headspace or Calm or just meditation videos on YouTube for folks that who don't have the income to provide. Therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I feel like a lot of folks have been able to get in touch with the roots that they missed doing because now, uh, I mean, everyone's starting to understand the work balance of how to do some folks have between professional and personal in the home setting. And that's why a lot of remote opportunities have come up for folks that want to be in that space. So, you know, like, and there've been a lot, I mean, excluding all the COVID cases, when the things first started, there was a lot of folks tend to get anxiety really easily with like, oh, we touched this, we got COVID or we got this, you know, they're like kind of uh, 
very they want everything in like a good state where there's no problem around anything and you know they can easily do the the um the process you get what right. i'm saying very mm-hmm. first so, world issues yeah like mm-hmm. like just pretty much a fresh chapter and like how it's seen in the uh, um on visuals or on screen like just the perfect world and because of covid and like all of this like the disease they would start getting anxiety because they would only stay in the house Mm-hmm. And so now they use, there would be cases where it would not be a COVID case, but it used to be like a mental case or a depression case. And it's like for some individuals lost that touch. And one thing I've noticed that if it might not help it, you know, some people might like gaming, some people like, might like working out. Some people might like building Legos, like that might be their stress buster, but for folks that don't know it, I feel like writing your thoughts down and shredding it. I would not say burning it because then you would have to find a place to <laughs> execute, like kind of getting an extinguisher, but writing your thoughts down or you don't want to write, or you just want to like sit down and breathe, you know, just doing breathing techniques or meditation or yoga or anything of a simple nature that really helps get your mind off and just says, okay, that's, that's shut. You know, whatever was on there, no one's going to read it because it's shredded or it's, it's already in the head. So I, that's, I feel, I mean, I don't know if this is back to the same concept of filter, but you can see how all the dots connect, but it Mm -hmm. all centers around the person that do they want to take the implementation to take that step? And if not, then it's, you know, they won't get the feeling, but Mm -hmm. it's up to us to take that step. And if we want to be in that moment, and a lot of the times it comes because of, folks who are in a de- um who are in a depressing state or they're not or they're in a moment which they don't enjoy and so they end up doing it because it's like a a piece of advice that they uh nourish so um i mean they i've had i've seen that very vividly and there's this there was an example that happened to me in uh i think it was the end of 11th grade i can talk about that if sure. um Please. So, so I had been a part of an organization called Art of Living and pretty much what they promote is it's originated in India, but it's all over the world. And the founder is Sri Sri, I think, I mean, I don't know his last name, but I know it's Sri Sri because that's kind of how everyone calls him. Mm-hmm. So he, so, you know, since I am in like the Virginia area, I joined the art of livings just to understand the breathing techniques and get a good sense and kind of use it. So like for like, whenever there's a stress buster or there's a moment that, uh, that I don't enjoy or something's happening, it doesn't show for my facial expressions, but it just happens when that breathing techniques like filters out pretty much. I had my, there was a couple of folks that wanted to get high up in the chain because art of living was kind of like a, I would want to say it's not like it's a nonprofit, but they're not for like looking for the goods. They're looking for helping the community kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So one of the mentors who I had seen in several classes, we got to know each other through like uh, several, because I went to several classes and was like active in certain areas, decided to give me the chance to go, um, decided to give me the chance to take a class at the university and to, and that she had a couple of instructors over there who would also be um, willing to uh, take me in, 
even though I was in 11th grade, end of 11th grade. And I, I still remember I was paired with three other folks that had a disability. And this was, I don't remember the university's name, but I know I had to fly and all that. And I forgot the location, unfortunately. But all those three candidates that I worked with had a disability ranging from one who couldn't see, one who couldn't hear, and one who had a problem where if something was too stressful, they used to go out and run. And, and not like in terms of that run, you see them come back 10 minutes, but like run in terms of like run to like somewhere else, like miles. You're talking like on the highway pretty much. Mm. I, mean, I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't say highway, but kind of a little bit far, like not coming back. Let's put it like that. So, you know, me being feeling only the, I, I don't want to say normal, but like just someone who didn't have, who had that type of disability mm-hmm. was in terms of like, how do I kind of feel like I can get to know them better, you know? And I was only here for three weeks we're talking. So I tried my best within that one and a half week to try to get to know me, but they just didn't accept me because they felt like I was, I was different from society. I'm, I'm, I'm like a regular person who doesn't fit in their category. So they one of the professors over there who's part of the group kind of said, you know, if there's one thing that humans have the potential to do that no animal can, it's, I mean, it kind of what humans and animals have and for, they will have for a long time is observing the prey. They said, if you observe their language, their, the way they move, the, you know, what's worrying them or bothering them, you will see the connections and dots. And I just, for two straight days, kind of just observed them going everywhere. Didn't really talk that much. And I could see they weren't, they didn't really feel like they liked themselves because everyone else was normal in the crowd. And these are the three outliers. It's like on a graph, you'll see three points out somewhere else, but all the, all the other dots connected. So they didn't feel like they're part of the crowd. And so I kind of had to show them the path of loving themselves because no one's going to do that for you and kind of taking that approach and helping them. And after those end of the three weeks, we ended up getting to know each other much better and they ended up thanking me for that. And I was like kind of applauded in front of all the group, uh, uh, group of university students because they wanted to see which group made the tremendous growth and it was ours because I helped three folks who felt like no one appreciated them about themselves kind of thinking in the manner that we don't care what other people think, but if we like ourselves, people will end up liking us. So I feel like after that, I mean, it kind of changed my whole perspective on helping the community, helping that because you can change. Sometimes it takes one person to change your vision. And sometimes it takes a small piece of advice to change their whole world. So, um, yeah, I know I, that was a pretty long, but <laughs> no, you're just, you're saying what needs saying. And that is the whole <laughs> point, And that's why we're here. <laughs> Yeah, that it's it's super insightful, um, and thank you for sharing your experience that you had in in eleventh grade. I mean, yeah, it's 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 incredibly important. It's incredibly important to you know recognize not only your own weaknesses and and faults, but then you know how you can grow to love yourself and and care for yourself even with those things through uh, the efforts of helping. Like, yeah. like you, you know, maybe that's another thing as well. Maybe going on volunteering. You know, a lot of people actually talk about that, you know, going out 
and donating your time, you feel a lot more appreciative of what you have or the circumstances that you're in. Now, granted, that also requires you, the person, to go out and look yep. up ways to go right. and help the people in your community, which in then turn, if everyone in the community would do well, the community itself would, we're not talking money-wise, would feel better. And if the feeling, if the, if, 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 if how you're feeling is important and if everyone around you is just contributing to the feeling of betterment, of feeling better, and then I think your quality of life may even come out to, you know, be better as well. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everyone on this podcast is speaking through facts at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but one point that I forgot to mention was folks think I'll speak more about like what happens if you do meditation for a long period of time. If you're someone who ends up saying, you know, I'm just going to conquer this. I'm going to start in high school and never leave it. And you're taught and you keep on doing it till you're the age of 50, right? You might be thinking, you know, you might, you must be really good at focusing. You must be good at, you know, have not getting distracted. It's true. But the other three really great advantages that is really impossible to get from just from anything else is and that in the, the thing that's incredible about that is you're just breathing or doing basic steps. that's helping you achieve this, which is you multitask really well. Like, you will end such as if there's 10 chores in the house, you know, we'll end up doing three as normal people because by that time we get tired and we end up scrolling through social media or just having a glass of wine or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But otherwise for those folks that do that meditation, they can do all the 10 chores, like either paint a door, make the food or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's one big advantage. Second is their third eye is, I, I mean, I mean, it depends on person to person. Some people achieve within the span of 10 years, some never achieve it, and some achieve it within 30 years. But one thing that happens is when you do it for a long time, you have a small door open that it helps you keep more aware of your surroundings, which is the second advantage. Second advantage. So you, you see more around that, okay, I know what's happening in even at the back of your mind, you know the things that are happening around you, whether you're in an event or you're outside somewhere else. And the third thing is when you get extremely older, and I've seen this, I've witnessed this myself, you have the energy to play tennis like a 25-year-old. And I'm not even and this is like any sport. Mm -hmm. So my mom's dad, he is at the age somewhere between 70 to 80. And mm -hmm. Pretty much, you know, he does, he's been doing yoga when he, you could say at the age of, I think, 23 or 22. And so, I mean, pretty much everything about the man is open. He, I mean, you also have to eat right. Don't get me wrong, but he eats right. He does, he does those meditations, the yoga practices, and that's all he does. And one day when he came, when he came visiting us from India, we asked him, do you want to come play tennis? He said, yeah, he was just sitting and watching. That's how it started. Mm -hmm. Then he played you know, you, you would imagine that an old person, you'd want to go a little bit light, right? You don't want to hit the ball too hard because they can't hit it. But he was literally being active on the court. It literally felt like he was playing like that. And it was like, what, like how? And he said, what the meditation and yoga practices do is they develop so much heat in your body if you do it over a certain period of time that that energy never goes. You know, when you're working out, that energy, you're obviously you're sweating and you think that, you know, this guy, he's going to be, you know, he's nothing's going to happen to him. You know, he's definitely fit. That's true. But 
when he gets older, he might have some body pains because there's no and it, there's no heat inside of that. Mm-hmm. But with yoga, you literally develop heat in there that no one can take. Like it's it's eternal for life, pretty much. So that is something which I never, you know, I found that experience and I it kind of like blew my mind uh, type of version. Yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting story. And, you know, I've kind of seen a couple examples of, you know, older people, 80s, 90s that just seem like over they, 90s. Yeah, they just have this youth, <laughs> youthful energy. Right. And I'm sure yeah. that they've got similar stories of their own. But uh, Himanesh, this this has been great. This has been a really good conversation, and I think that it'll be valuable for a lot of our listeners. And and I think, frankly, it was valuable for us too. Of course. Um, at the end of our interviews, we try to give um, give people two opportunities. The first is if you have anything that you want to plug. Uh, we've had people plug their own podcasts, charities that they're interested in, businesses, and so on. So if you have anything that you want to plug that you want our listeners to know about. Um, feel free. And then otherwise, uh, we want to give you one last opportunity to say what needs saying. And so if there's anything that you think we've missed or anything that we really didn't touch on enough that you want to reemphasize or or anything really that, that you think this conversation needs that it hasn't had yet, um, I just wanted to turn it over to you and, and let you give your plugs and say what needs saying. Yeah, so I think I'll, I'll say three quick things. One, the last thing will be my own self-promoting. But mm-hmm, the sure. first two things will, one, I, the one thing which we forgot to talk about was was the origin of yoga. Mm-hmm. And the second thing was uh, food. So I think the, two, the three last things I'm going to say in that order is yoga, if you look at the word, you know, Y-O-G-A, it's based on the science word of, you know, maintaining the harmony between your mind and body and have maintaining a healthy living. But so in India, there's different languages, you know, there's Urdu, Tamil, Telugu, Hindi, and all mixture of languages. And one of them is called Sanskrit. It's kind of like a classical language. It was used in like the early days. So, yeah, a lot so of one time, of the oldest languages ever. Yeah. And so a lot, lot of the times, uh, uh, at least in like today's time, people are told to write it so that they can understand the, what the meaning or like the root languages of that mean. So in the root of that Sanskrit for yoga, it means to join, unite. So kind of like a union between your body of like man and nature. And so that's why everything in the universe is of the same existence. So no matter what you're doing, it's rooting you to your ground. So if you've seen, an, if you've seen uh, Naruto, where they walk up the trees, they're rooting themselves that that's why they're able to walk up. So that's just something I wanted to, just like a fun fact for folks that didn't know um, a bit about the yoga thing. But um, the food that I wanted to mention was the the more variety of food you eat, Let's and this is excluding all the candies, the sugars, right. the chips and all that. I'm not talking about that. When I mean the color of food, when I mean the color of food, I mean having just not greens, but having grapes, having the greens, having something different, you know, because the more you expose yourself to the healthy food in different aspects, you know, you know, a lot of the, I've heard folks that don't like broccoli. I've heard folks that they won't eat tomatoes in a certain shape, or I've heard <laughs> folks that they won't eat the lettuce. And I feel like, yeah, you have your limitations, but if you are, if you, put the force of habit to try something and just a variety of food besides the unhealthy things, 
it will definitely open your chambers to talking to new people. And that's, I feel like when you're open to trying new food, it helps you open new ideas and thoughts that helps you open to new people. Like I've, I've even told folks that who they're folks who do everything, you know, eat everything, eat all different types of foods and flavors, and they're still not able to collaborate. And I tell them the one thing, the one thing you can say is go to the cashier in a restaurant and tell them, do you have a thousand bag of cement? And the, and the first thing everyone says is, wait, what do you mean? And then you, you, you just say from that, I'm just trying to start a conversation for five minutes. Would you be willing to talk? And I feel like loneliness has been the word that was pre COVID. And I feel like this is something I don't want to see after COVID because the, as humans, we're meant to talk and interact with people. And yes, yeah, social media is great. You know, when you're from a distance, someone at Los Angeles and someone at, uh, at the Boston uh, area, it's great for those connections for maintaining for, uh, for future years. But otherwise, the more we interact in person, it's going to get us more open. And the third thing, which was the self-promoting, I mean, if you want to follow me or you're incited or you feel that you've gained something from this podcast and you feel like you've been motivated, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn by searching my name. I'm also on Reddit. I don't have anything on Reddit yet. I'm still learning my way through that, but I also have a count on that. Um, I'm also, I have, a, I started a personal portfolio, which I named called 3 photos and videos, which is on, Instagram and Facebook, and you can like any of the photos that you um, find interesting on that. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, perfect. I think you said absolutely everything we need that in regards to say when you say, I think you opened up the gates or at least the doors for individuals to go out and look for ways to distress or align themselves with the times they're living in and not worry about the past or the future. Uh, Hamanish, I think it will be uh, an honor to have you on again uh, later. And I guess from Zach and I, uh, don't forget to follow us on Say What Needs Saying on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter at Say What Needs. Uh, I think we're out of here, everyone. Yeah, it was a great conversation, Hamanish. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, likewise. All right, we'll talk to you all later. Bye.